hast thou not seen, how thy desires e'er have been granted in what he ordaineth. Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here gently attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty will do if with his love he befriend thee. Praise to the Lord who with marvelous wisdom hath made thee, deck thee with health and with loving hand guided and stayed thee. How oft in grief hath not he brought thee relief, spreading his wings to o'ershade thee. Praise to all that is in me adore him all that hath life and breath come now with praises before him let the amen sound from his people again Gladly forever will adore him. Um, last week we read the uh, prayer of confession um, by Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. This, this week we're going to look at uh, David's confession <clears throat> when... Uh, he had been confronted with his sin with Bathsheba, and he comes to the Lord uh, confessing his sins. And so um, we'll kind of take this as uh, just reading it as a, a confession and thinking about the things that he's saying and, and about our sins, too, and letting it be kind of a confession for us. And then we can have a time of quiet, uh, silent confession in our own hearts. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, you, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow.
Um, God assures us of our forgiveness uh, throughout uh, Scripture. He assures us that we're forgiven on the basis of the work of Christ. And we see it again in Colossians chapter 1 where we read, He has delivered us from the, dominion of dark, from the domain of darkness and transferred us uh, to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Um, great thing to be forgiven of our sins and to know that we stand uh, clothed in Christ's righteousness and that uh, our, our unrighteousness has been taken away by Christ and, and it has been uh, justly punished in the work of Christ but that we stand before God in Christ's righteousness um, so this morning we, uh, we will come and it says prayer of supplication we'll start with kind of prayer of thanksgiving and then go into supplication uh, as we do remember uh, Dot who is uh, Still uh, quarantine, that's got to be tough on her. That's about as bad as having to go to the hospital, I imagine, for Dot. Um, but she is better, uh, test, all test negative for coronavirus. Of course, I, I would have been very surprised if she had tested positive for it, but she did test negative. Went home on Monday. Um, Pray for Peggy as well. She is, she is home, and uh, she went home. This week, I can't remember exactly which day, but it was early in the week. Pray for her, continued uh, recovery. She was still hurting some when she went home, but it, it was a major, pretty major surgery. Her daughter Lisa is with her. Pray for Lisa especially as she's there with her, her mom, but also uh, Lisa been around horses all of her life, and they were very much into uh, going to these rodeos and all kinds of horse things, and so she was in uh, arenas where the horses would be and and if you've ever been there you know the, the, the there's a lot of uh, uh, this the smell and everything what, what do they call it uh, anyway it, it burned her uh, in in her airways here and very serious to where she can't go uh, into those shows anymore because the the, uh, the the acid or whatever it is the ammonia from the smell would could cause her to die and so, so she, her, uh, her, her uh, pneumology, whatever you call it, her, her airway system is compromised. And so she would be one who uh, would certainly uh, have a hard time with coronavirus. So pray for her safety as well. Would you lead us in prayer this morning? <coughs> Father, we are thankful to you uh, as the sovereign creator of the universe that you hold all things in your hand. We thank you for bringing us back together again to worship you. We thank you that we have your promise uh, that uh, you are never uh, going to leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, Lord, for uh, keeping us throughout this week. Pray that you continue to keep uh, members of our congregation uh, safe and healthy. Uh, keep us all, Lord, uh, safe, not just for our own comfort and needs, but so that we would be uh, able to serve you and minister to those in need around us. Lord, we pray for Dot. We thank you that uh, she is recovering at home. Pray that you would help her to rest uh, throughout uh, this quarantine period, that she would regain her strength and not do too much in the meantime and keep her uh, mind active and, and sane during a, a period of quarantine and, and we know she loves to be active and, and uh, 
Uh, so I pray, Lord, that you would just keep her from uh, getting too bored throughout this. Thank you, Lord, that Peggy's recovering at home as well. Pray that you continue to uh, keep and protect her, help her to, to heal and, and recover from uh, the surgeries that she's had and the illness that she had, Lord, and that you would just uh, continue to uh, help her to recover. We pray, Lord, for uh, those of our shut-ins, Lord. We pray especially for the Tots, Lord, who are uh, in a nursing home down in the Dallas area. And Lord, I know it's uh, difficult for their daughter, I'm sure, uh, not being able to visit them at this time. But I pray, Lord, that you would uh, keep them uh, safe there. And I pray they would uh, just uh, get along well with uh, the people around them and, and have friends. And, and, and so uh, keep them from loneliness uh, as, as they're not able to be able to be, be visited by their family. Lord, I pray for our church, Lord, that you would continue to sustain and, and keep us. Lord, uh, you know it's very difficult uh, uh, meeting in circumstances like these, and yet uh, uh, you have kept us this far, and we uh, put our hopes all, all in you. We pray for uh, Daryl as he prepares to minister today and has ministered already once this morning, Lord, that you would uh, keep him from illness, that you would... Uh, help him to uh, be a faithful minister throughout this time of need. Pray that you would use him by your spirit to minister the word to us and that you would uh, help us to hear and to obey your words. We pray also for our leaders, especially here locally, that you would give them wisdom in making decisions at this time. I pray uh, for uh, both the, the city and, and the county leaders, Lord, that you would just help them to uh, make decisions that not only pr promote health, but uh, would not be overly uh, restrictive on churches and and uh, would just uh, make the best decisions possible in, in these circumstances. And also for our governor and, and those in leadership in our state, that you would give them wisdom in making decisions. And for our national leaders, Lord, as uh, they face a crisis uh, that uh, we were completely unprepared for, I pray, Lord, that you would cause them to seek you and to, to look to you for guidance in all of these decisions. And I pray, Lord, that even as uh, you uh, are in control of all things and this virus did not surprise you, that you would uh, use this uh, to turn the hearts of people to you, that they would uh, see a need for repentance and uh, to turn back from the, the wicked ways that uh, inevitably lead to, to ruin and disaster in their lives, whether uh, this was sent by you as a judgment or just as uh, one of the natural uh, plagues of, of living in a, a fallen world, Lord, that they would still see your hand in it and so be moved to repent and to turn to you at this time. Lord, I pray for your people all around the world as well. Uh, many are who are in... Uh, Nations where healthcare is not nearly as good as, as what we have here, and uh, missionaries who are serving in such places where there's even greater danger uh, if they become ill. I pray, Lord, that you would keep your people and that you would strengthen your church all over the globe uh, during these times, and that uh, you would use all of these circumstances to advance your kingdom and to grow your church. We thank you, Lord, for your grace to us and pray. Uh, as we come now to, to hearing your word, that you would open our ears and our hearts to understand 
and that we would receive from you what you uh, have planned to give us. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Uh, turn in your Bible, Second Kings 6. Six. We're going to read verses eight through the <clears throat> to the end of the to the end of the chapter. I know you guys all have the ESV. I've got the NIV, and it reads a little bit differently. But follow closely; you'll you'll see that we're in close to the same place anyway. Second <clears throat> uh, Kings six, beginning verse eight. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the uh, Armenians are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. Uh, he summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go out uh, where he is, uh, the king ordered. So uh, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can... Send men back and capture him. <clears throat> the report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. <clears throat> when the servant of the man of God uh, got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots was surrounded, sur had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. And Elisha uh, told them, This is not the road. And this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them? My father, shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Why uh, would you kill men? Uh, you have captured with your own sword or bow, set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So bands of uh, Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Uh, it's, it's a very basic a teaching of Christianity that, that we live in two dimensions. That we live in um, in a material world, which is very real, 
the reason I'm able to put this hymnal right here and hold it is because this is really material and this hymnal's material and this coffee's material too. And it's not just an illusion as there are some religions that will tell you the material world's just an illusion. We say, no, it's real. And when God first created man, you know, he created him, he says he took him out of, the, he formed him out of the dust of the earth, right? It's material. We have, we have material bodies here. And they're real. Uh, absolutely. But we also believe that in another dimension, which is a spiritual world, and I think that we run in contact with more people who don't really believe in a spiritual world. But it's interesting that when God creates man, he forms him out of the dust of the earth, and then he breathes life into him. The word, the Hebrew word there, you may know this, ruach, and that word means breath, breathe, or it, it, it can even be wind, but it also means spirit. And so the Hebrew word for spirit is the same word for the Hebrew word for breath. So God is breathing into him. He's breathing spiritual life into him. It's interesting that the, the Greek word for uh, wind is pneuma, from which we, we use a lot. And I tried to figure out what the word was, uh, the pneumological issues that Lisa was having. I, I mentioned those earlier. Um, and it has to do with our, with our breathing system. So if somebody gets a, a, a disease where they can't breathe and their, their lungs fill up with fluid, we call it pneumonia, right? They can't breathe, it has to do with their breathing. We talk about certain kinds of tools, pneumatic tools, or air power tools. And so the, the, the Greek word for air or wind or breath would be pneuma, but it also is the Greek word for spirit, pneuma. And so both the Hebrew and the Greek word for uh, wind is also the same word for spirit. And so when God breathes life into man, he's bringing spirit into him. And so we do believe in a world uh, uh, that is two-dimensional. And so we just need to trust God in all of this, right? <laughs> so uh, anyway, we, we believe that, that both the material world is very real and the spiritual world is very real. But... I think uh, living in the day and age that we do and being surrounded by so many people who don't necessarily believe in a spiritual world but believe that the material world is all that is there, um, we sometimes forget the reality of the spiritual world. In this passage that we uh, read just earlier, I think there are at least two individuals who seem to have forgotten the reality of the spiritual world. First of all, is the king of Syria. Uh, the New American Standard says Aram, but uh, he seems to have forgotten the reality of the spiritual world. First of all, um, when uh, is Israel keeps finding out his plans, he calls all of his advisors in and says, which one of you is a traitor? Go ahead and tell me now, because no one can know, uh, Israel cannot know these things because you're the only ones who do know. How in the world can they know unless someone here is telling them? And uh, finally, Someone says, no, it's not us. It's this guy that's a prophet of, of their God, Elisha. And uh, he, he knows, it's, I find this funny, he, he knows the words you speak in your bedroom. Right? So you're saying something in your bedroom, and he knows it. And, and so the king of Aram seems to, I don't know what he's thinking, how he knows. I don't know if he's thinking his house is bugged or something like that, but he's not attributing to... Uh, a God who exists in, in, uh, in the spiritual realm. 
he's, and so he's kind of denying the reality there. And at this point, he shows that he's kind of denying the reality of it because he says, I'll go capture him and stop this nonsense. So he sends his forces out thinking that he can stop God from doing this, revealing his truth uh, to Elijah and thus to Israel, and simply by capturing Elijah. And so he sends a, a huge force out. They find out he's in Dothan. They go down there. They surround the city. So the king of Syria is thinking one-dimensionally, right? Which is wrong. He shouldn't know better, but he's thinking one-dimensionally. Well, there's another one who's thinking one-dimensionally here, and that is the servant of Elisha who goes out early in the morning uh, of being surrounded, and um, he goes out and he sees all of these troops around him, and he is scared to death. And so he comes back in, in verse 16, excuse me, verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning and armies uh, with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And he's scared. He's saying, There's the, what can we do against this mighty, powerful army that's there? It's just more than we can handle. And then Elisha comforts him in verse 16. He says, don't be afraid. Well, sometimes that's easier said than done, right? Just don't be afraid. And then he says something that's kind of probably puzzling to the servant. He says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And, you know, he's already seen how many are out there. And he starts to count on his hands. And he goes, what? Are you crazy? Are you doing the new math or what? Um, anyway, so at this point, uh, Elisha knows that that's probably a puzzling thing to his servant. So verse 17, Elisha prays and says, Oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So he's opening his eyes to see and he's seeing that there's more than, more than, than just what he is, is initially to the eye, more than meets the eye here. Um, Truly, there is a lot more with us than with them. And so he's finally uh, able to see this. Um, I think God is using this whole situation, and he does similar things throughout Scripture, to show uh, his power and then later his grace and his mercy. Because we go on in this, in this situation, you know, when Elijah leads them into Samaria, the capital city of the northern tribes, and they open their eyes, and the, and the king says, shall I kill them? He says, don't kill them. You know, um, instead, feed them, and then let them go home. What's he doing? He's showing mercy. And I think when we see that God is in control of all things, it leads us to, to, to give mercy and to see God's mercy in, in, in his working here. And so this situation is certainly one to show God's power. He has more power than than any army uh, with horses or chariots. Um, we, we read about this in uh, Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And that's what we need to do. We need to remember that the psalmist said in Psalm 34, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. 
angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. That's what he's doing for us in the midst of, of, of difficulties. When we look around the world and we see uh, such chaos and we, we look in our lives and think, how are we going to make it? What's going to happen? The Lord's saying, you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear. I got this thing. It's, it's not always just what meets your eye at the moment. Um, God, God is uh, using what's going on in the world today and in our lives, I think, in the same way. We don't, we don't necessarily see what God is doing, but he is doing amazing thing here. His power and his grace will eventually be made known through all of this. We may not see it now, but I, I, just, I look forward to the day when we'll probably be in glory and we can look back on this day and look and stand in awe and say, God, you really did have it in control. You had, you had your, your angels encamped all around us. Chariots of fire there to protect us. And we'll stand in awe of how God is using this in the great uh, uh, work of all of life. Um, I'm amazed at those uh, chess players who can think five or six moves ahead, you know. And they know if you do this, they're going to counter with this and, and so on. Uh, take that and, and put it on the ultimate. That's what God is doing with all of history. He's working things out just right so that his will, his plan is always accomplished. And so that's a great thing to, to remember. And so we uh, say with uh, John, 1 John 4, verse 4, he says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We need to remember that this week as we encounter uh, all kinds of uh, difficulties in our lives and in the world around us. Well, let's pray. Father, remind us, open our eyes today. Um, even if we can't see uh, physically as you allowed uh, the servant of Elisha to see, uh, the chariots of fire remind us and, and cause us to know by faith that your word is true and that the angel of the Lord does encamp around those who, who fear him and you deliver them. And so Lord help us to know that, that uh, you are greater than the one who is in the world and you are in us. And so Lord help us to put our trust not in chariots and horses but in the name of the Lord our God. Help us to do that today with the current situation. And Lord, help us to continue that uh, throughout our lives that we might not fear, but trust in you. Trust in your power and your grace in all things. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.